yen hai hui fo pu sa nam mô đà phàm quang phổ hoa yên gì hoa yên hai hui phổ phu sa nam mô đà phàm quang phổ hoa yên gì hoa yên hai hui phổ phu sa Phật Quang Phổ Hoa Yên Trì Hoa Yên Hai Huy Phổ Phú Sa Nam Mô Đà Phật Quang Phổ Hoa Yên Trì Hoa Yên Hai Huy Phổ Phú Sa Mô Đà Phật Quang Phổ Hoa Yên Trì Hoa Yên Hải Huy Phổ Phú Sa Nà Đà Phật Quang Phổ Hoa Yên Trì Hoa Yên Hải Huy Phổ Phú Sa Please turn in your text to pages 20 and 21. We're halfway down where it says in English, on the English Page 21, he further makes the following reflection. And in the Chinese, that would be Fu uh, Zuo Shi Nian, line 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. The seventh line of Chinese and English together. So we'll begin with the Chinese. And I'll give you a line and you give it back. Fu Zuo Shi Nian. 我当与一切 All right, over to the right here. He further makes, let's read this together in unison, start together, here we go. He further makes the following reflection. I should be a leader among all living beings. I should be supreme, be especially supreme. Be wonderful, be subtle and wonderful. Be superior be unsurpassed, up to and including being one with the wisdom of all wisdom, upon whom others may rely. Okay. 
We have come to the end of the fourth ground, prose, just a few more paragraphs. Then we start with the, the verses that repeat what we've had in the prose, summarize it, and prepare us for the, the uh, fifth ground. And the Bodhisattva, um, when he, whenever we get to the end of one of these grounds, of which there are ten, there are certain passages that get repeated, kind of like a chorus in a song. After the verse, you sing the chorus. After the verse, you sing the chorus. And these patterns repeat. We had the goldsmith, the one who's good at smelting gold. And coming up, we have how many Buddhas appear to this Bodhisattva. So that's ahead of us here. Similar patterns that repeat. So what does he say? And I, I need to tell everybody there's a process statement that is, uh, we're going to stop at 9 tonight. Ordinarily, we go to 9.30, um, but we have um, a big event happening tomorrow, 100 miles north. And in order to get up there, uh, at the time we have to be there, we need to wake up early. So uh, both the, the monks and also lay people um, need to get enough sleep so that those of us who drive won't fall asleep on the freeway and uh, that we'll have enough energy to make it through a very long day tomorrow. Lots of activities. So for that reason, we're going to, to close half an hour early tonight. So the Bodhisattva further makes the following reflection. He says, I should be show among all beings. Okay, so, when I'm with all other sentient beings, I should be show. Um, anybody else? Excuse me, we need to make another process comment. How about if we close those windows over there? I think Michael is on his feet. We're going to ask you to go and close those windows. Thank you. Good timing. You couldn't have done that better. So, uh, it's getting chilly, even though it's... Uh, Heading towards summer, we are in the Bay Area, and uh, the famous Mark Twain comment, you all remember that one? Mark Twain said, famous, deathless comment, says, I never passed a, a colder winter than July in San Francisco, he said. So it can feel like the winter, even though it's the middle of summer. So we're not quite there yet, but it's still chilly at night here. So the Bodhisattva says, I should be... Show. Show is a head. It's actually one of those pictograms. And it, we say head of the class. Headmaster. It means first, foremost. So the Bodhisattva is saying, I want to be foremost among living beings. I think it's important not to misinterpret and assume that the Bodhisattva wants to compete to be the best. This is not a value judgment. This means a, uh, among beings, he wants or she wants to be a leader so that his or her vows come real. What's a bodhisattva about? It's about a quality of heart. What kind of heart? Well, a big heart. What kind of big heart? It's a bodhisattva who says, I don't want anybody to hurt. And... If people are asleep, they're hurting themselves a lot because they keep stepping on stuff. 
in the dark. They kept bumping into things in the dark. They're walking around inside their house with the lights off and they trip over the sofa. It hurts. They stub their toes. It hurts. Bodhisattva says, we need light. So they don't know how to get light in the dark. But this Bodhisattva has been living in a way that ordinary folks wouldn't want to. For example, when you order a pizza, what do you order? What kind of pizza? How many toppings? How many flavors on your pizza? Well, pretty good chance that pizza has onions and garlic in it. It might have pepperoni on it. It might have sausage on it. If you order a pizza without cheese, you are positively not Italian. So how can you manage a pizza without cheese, without garlic, without onions, without pepperoni, without sausage, without ground beef, without anchovies? How can you do that? That's called a non-pizza. So there I am in Gold Coast Armor Realm in the kitchen, uh, dining room. It's lunchtime. And the nuns there are fabulous cooks. And the lay people are fabulous cooks. And so they offered vegan pizzas to me. Everybody else had vegetarian pizzas, which had cheese. Mine had no cheese and everything else that we don't eat. And you should have seen that green pepper and that tomato slice trying desperately to cling to the bread. It was pathetic. You know, those poor vegetables up on this piece of bread. Kind of called it pizza and it looked like and it was sliced like a pizza. And I ate it and it was the best vegan pizza I'd ever eaten. And I appreciated it loudly to everybody. But I have to tell you, it tasted like bread with toasted green pepper and tomato. That's, it could have been a sandwich. The only thing pizza about it was the intention. It was an aspiring pizza. It didn't make the cut as a pizza at all. And so who in the world in their right mind would make the effort? Only somebody who is living according to principle and willing to undergo a little bit of what the world would call suffering in order to get beyond the state of consciousness to another realm. So from anybody who knows anything in the whole world, they say, you sucker, you loser, sucker. You're just losing. You know, you don't know no pizza, man. You, don't you like pizza? Yeah, everybody likes pizza, right? But if you don't eat tick, 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 all those things that are basic to pizza, you miss something about the pizza experience except the spirit behind it, which is full and complete. So when you look at a bodhisattva, they are willing to live with the imaginary pizza in most of the situations that the world would consider great. All right. I was over at the Atlantis Resort three days ago. The Atlantis Resort is one of the most outrageously, what, six-star resorts, 5,000 beds in the Atlantis uh, resort in Nassau, the Bahamas. Believe it or not, on Paradise Island. How does that sound? Paradise Island. And it's a beautiful, beautiful resort. I mean, it's just, it, for the families that were there uh, getting their vacation of a lifetime, 
how long would you have to work to be able to qualify to get to the Atlantis, you know, for a resort? Turquoise blue oceans in the front, beautiful flat bay in the back, and the Bahamas weather, the Bahamian weather. And I looked around. I didn't belong there. Why? Because I was not going into the swimming pool. I was not going snorkeling. I was not going to the casino. I was not going to the dance I was not going to the five-star restaurant that had all the food that Buddhist monks don't eat. Basically, all I could do was like walk the halls or occupy a chair with my legs crossed, you know, and watch everybody else have fun. And okay, so I did. I did exactly that. I walked the halls because we were being evacuated, honestly, because there were uh, tornado warnings uh, in big water spouts on the ocean. So we, our entire ashram, vacated to the, uh, to the Atlantis. That's what I was doing there for a, a, a tornado uh, evacuation. Not a drill, it was a real thing. And so we, the Atlantis people, liked the ashram, so they let us vac- vac- vacate, evacuate there. So I'm walking around and feeling very much like a stranger and uh, just realizing that uh, 15 minutes before the person knocked on my door and said, Om, we are evacuating. <laughs> Om, we are evacuating. It's a yoga retreat, right? Om, instead of, instead of what? Aminava. Had it been CTDB, Aminava, we're evacuating. <laughs> no, it's Om, we're evacuating. <laughs> I love it. Culture clash, but I got it. I got the point. Knock, knock, knock. Om, knock, Aminava. We have our version. So, 15 minutes before, I've been sitting with my legs crossed under a palm tree on a sandy beach, you know, enjoying the blue water, uh, all by myself, you know, feeling very much attuned with nature. And then here I am, dropped down in the air-conditioned five-star luxury resort in the hallways, feeling as if it might be Mars, or either that or I'm the Martian and it's, it's the Earth, you know. Very much out of time and out of space. Why? I volunteer to be. I I like the bargain that I make with the marketplace that allows me to go where I go through doors that if I were worried about my receding hairline, you know, worried about that my handbag was a Hermes knockoff, not a real Hermes, you know, uh, or a uh, Gucci. My shoes were imitation Gucci's from China, not real Gucci's. And walking along and wondering if anybody notices that mine's are the knockoffs, not the real ones. That's on people's minds. And wondering whether, how am I going to pay for this vacation? You know, and all the things that the marketplace gives us where we compromise in order to get the good stuff. That's what the marketplace promises us that if we reach for that credit card, we too can have the good stuff. And my heart went out for these families going down the hall. The dads usually didn't look happy. You know, the dads had to compromise the most because they were underwriting this. And the moms were looking at the other moms, by and large. You know, checking just to see because... Where, how often do they get to the five-star hotel 
the Atlantis, you know, in the Caribbean in May. So you want to see how you're doing. How do you measure up in the marketplace? Because that's what it's about. And I realized that I was just not doing that. But I was able to witness how much fun, I'm sorry, they weren't really having. And maybe I'm, you know, pessimistic negative, just depressed a lot. But I think I was reading it pretty accurately because I had been, you know, 20 minutes earlier and then suddenly I'm in the hallways of the Atlantis and watching these folks go by, look at me as if I were a spot on the carpet or maybe I should be on the uh, surveillance camera because I might be the start of something troublesome because the way I'm dressed. Maybe they didn't want me in that hallway and could somebody check me out, please, you know. So who knows? But in any case, I was able to watch. And some folks were thrilled. Some folks were enjoying their vacation, and I hope so. You know? But it was not hard to recognize the price that you pay for the fast lane and how the bodhisattva goes, been there and tasted that? What else is there? Well, what there is is Pizza that tastes like the best bread, cheese, the best bread and, and toasted vegetables combination I've ever tasted. That wasn't imitation pizza that I ate. It was bread and toasted vegetables that was delicious because the heart behind it. We'll give Fasher a pizza that he can eat. Vegan, nothing on it. It's great. You know, and there was this intention of joy there. And it was delicious. And there I was. I got to experience the Atlantis because they were kind enough to let us find shelter in the storm. So there you are. And what's the difference between the two? Well, the Bodhisattva has said to himself, herself, I can do without that stuff, excuse me here, <coughs> because my satisfaction has shifted. It's not grabbing for all the gusto you can get. It's looking for the joy you can give and finding it everywhere. Looking for the fullness you can experience and finding it everywhere. You know, so the, uh, I think that's, that's why these bodhisattvas have these different values and why he can say, yeah, I'm shoal. I want to be first because... I have one foot here in the world of living beings and I have another foot over here which has been to the basics. I've pushed the limits of sufficiency and then one step into it. What, how much, how, this is it, it's how little do I need in order to be fully here and yet have one foot in the Buddha's realm. That's what cultivation brings you. And as much, as Shurfa would say, as much worldly dharmas as you can put down, that's how much world transcending Buddha dharma you can pick up. And yet within that is the middle way. You don't put it down hard in order to pick up more, that's just the same old greed mind. So 
here I am, you know, wearing cloth to cover my body, walking the halls of the Atlantis Resort. And I didn't, I wasn't cold, I wasn't hot. There were no insects biting me because I was covered. But it was clear that I was not in the fashion race. And yet I could see the folks who were, who had bought a whole new wardrobe for this vacation. And they were, you know, the people who I responded to immediately were the folks who were happy no matter what they were wearing, whether it was, you know, designer swimming wear or just vacation clothes, you know, shorts and sandals. It's not in the outside. And let's redesign what Sherfu said. As much as you can move from the externals to the heart, that's how much joy and satisfaction you'll get out of every minute of your life. If, if, you, if you live entirely, if you're invested entirely in the outside, it's minute to minute how much happiness you can experience. But if you can move into the heart, then the outside matters less. That's what I was watching. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that, that reminds me that tomorrow is Mother's Day, boys and girls, was the families who had kids seemed to be um, a notch happier, just in general, the young couples with kids, than the, um, the middle-aged baby boomers who kind of saved up for the vacation of their lives and looked a little lonely. It's hard, this is, you know, this is all my utterly subjective reading of passing on a hotel lobby, but I've seen enough folks to know when the, the energy is vibrating from inside or from somewhere outside. And the lonely old couples look to be missing their kids a lot. And the, one, the young couples who had, you know, the twins in a stroller and, and the new, newly born on their back in a satchel, you know, they... That was a different kind of happiness somehow. And, and the Atlantis has advertised itself, who knew, well to these young couples. Maybe they priced it within their reach. There were lots of young families at the Atlantis Resort. And uh, I could sense something, something wonderful happening there. Quiet, I think, because they were living bigger. There was more of them to experience, that their, the parents were in the bodies of their kids watching these aquariums and the, the, these incredible turtles that were swimming in the clear water. Turtles like this that they had in their aquarium and just exposing their kids to the Bahamas at an early age. So how, you know, um, just reflecting on the idea of uh, what price does the Bodhisattva pay in order to say... I should be a leader among all beings. I should be supreme, be especially supreme. Be wonderful, be subtle and wonderful. Be superior, be unsurpassed. Okay, let's stop at that one. Does, what does this mean? The Bodhisattva is, I'm number one? Sure sounds like it, doesn't it? 
I don't think so. I don't think that's what he's saying. It's not, I'm competing with living beings to be the fastest in the fast lane. I want to be the best dressed, biggest bank account, uh, arrive on the biggest yacht at the docks of the, of the Atlantis, or live in the penthouse. You know, I don't think that's... It's not measured by accumulation of stuff. And it's certainly not measured by status points. I have the most credit cards in my flip, 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 credit card wallet. I don't think that's it either. And I don't think it's the biggest Rolodex. I have the most friends and the most influence. I can call and buy and sell you. One phone call could buy you. I don't think that's it either. So what does he mean when he says, I want to be the best and most superior? Does anybody, did anybody read this and wonder? I mean, what does it say? I'm going to be especially superior, the best. What, who has a sense? Chin Weisher, what does he mean when he says this? How did you read this? When you, when you heard him say, I want to be, I should be superior, unsurpassed. In, in what regard would you say? Okay. 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 Chin says it, the key, as he understands it, is the last line upon whom others can rely. Meaning, it's not in the marketplace values, it's not in stuff, but he wants to be the best in the paramitas, he wants to be the best in uh, Buddha Dharma and dependability. Okay? That's, that's valid. YC, when you read this, does it sound like the Bodhisattva is uh, wanting to be D.E.? Or how, how did you hear this as with this list of Tsui, Tsui, Jacob, Tsui, Naga? Okay. Okay, so for YC, her, her reflection on this was that the Bodhisattva wants to be the best in cultivation, as in the Great Compassion Repentance, where it says, Namo Guanshi and Bodhisattva, may I soon know all dharmas. So the Bodhisattva wants to be best in knowledge. And the, this bodhisattva will have the skill in order to help all living beings. Okay. Anybody else have a reflection they'd like to share? Okay. So, now, um, what do you do when you have a section of sutra that sounds, could be interpreted another way entirely? This bodhisattva is competitive. He's 
going to be the best no matter what. Dashing. Okay, okay. Master Dashing gave a very uh, Buddhist response to this, which is that the, bodhi, the bodhisattva has, is not a number one that includes the self. Um, we talk about the four marks and the, the self, living beings, lifespan, etc. Self, others, living beings, lifespan. He is not proposing that, but instead the bodhisattva is... Uh, he wants to be a Buddha. That is to say, the foremost among those who have no self. Um, so it's a non-self foremost, and it indicates the foremost accomplishment of, of wisdom. Great. Okay. I think that's fast. three different approaches to this. Lovely. Let's go on down here. Uh, I didn't talk about one phrase here, which is, up to and including being one with the wisdom of all wisdoms. Now we looked at that and translated uh, without, some, we looked at it with an S and without an S. The wisdom of all wisdoms or the wisdom of all wisdom or omniscience. That's a perfectly good English word. Um, what is, what's the difference between and and so this word in Chinese jir is, is wisdom. And uh, sometimes translated as the wisdom of all modes, M-O-D-E-S. So what are the differences here? Um, I'm not going to go into that right this minute because that's a, it's a long and technical um, explanation. But there are different levels of wisdom. And the bodhisattva is going to go all the way to Buddhahood. That's the idea. The Buddha has a level of wisdom that even the highest bodhisattvas are not, have not realized yet, often because they don't want to, because as soon as they do, they leave being bodhisattvas and become Buddhas. So there is a place in Buddhism that is vertical. That is to say, you're at this level, then this level, then this level, then this level, like that. You go up. And... Uh, the Buddha is at the top. His wisdom is called Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi. Wushang, Zhengdang, Zhengjie. His is the highest level of wisdom. And here's the way I make sense of this. It's not that you get anything. It's not that when you have this wisdom, you your brain is heavier. It's not in the brain. It's not that you have a higher SAT score when you have this level of wisdom. It's not like that. It's that you have removed more of the darkness that covers your nature. 
So when you become a Buddha, you have less stuff covering your nature. If we haven't cultivated it all, then the darkness covering our nature is pretty deep and thick. It's, it's profoundly unawake. There's no light in there because it's covered. And as we cultivate, as we progress from the various stages of the, Buddha, the Bodhisattva path and up to Buddhahood, we get rid of, we scrape away, we burn away, we uh, kind of grind away all of the attachments, all of the greed, anger, delusion, all of the affliction, all of the profoundly wrong ideas, all of the emotion, all of these things that cover that nature and keep us from seeing the connections. A Buddha has taken all of that away. All that wisdom is gone. And the Bodhi, the awakening, is the what's left when you remove the ignorance. So, the Bodhisattva is still got some left, some, some ignorance covering. Sometimes because he wants to, so that he can stay close to living beings. So, that's, that's the way I understand this. Okay? And he wants to be one with the wisdom of all wisdom upon who others can rely. A Buddha. He wants to be that, that stage of awakened. It'll be a long time, but that's his wish. So, next section. And let's take this next section in a big gulp. Because it's a related idea. It's one idea, but ex- explained in detail. Here we go. I'll read it. 是菩萨若发勤精进欲以切勤又欲以念勤得入一树三昧得见一树佛得知一树佛神力能动一树世界乃至能实现一树身一一身一树菩萨以为眷属若以菩萨书圣愿力自在实现过于此数百阶千阶乃至百千一哪有他阶不能数之。This Bodhisattva, if he brings forth diligence and vigor, within the space of a thought enters a hundred million samadhis. He comes to see a hundred million Buddhas. He comes to know a hundred million Buddha's spiritual powers. He's able to quake a hundred million world systems, up to and including being able to manifest a hundred million bodies, and with each and every body being able to manifest a hundred million bodhisattvas as his following. If he employs special, supreme power of bodhisattva vows to appear as he pleases, he surpasses that number in a hundred kalpas, a thousand eons, up to and including a hundred thousand million nayutas of eons. The number could not be counted or known. <coughs> this is part of the, the um, chorus. This section is repeated in every ground, but expanded. So the fourth ground is more than the third. The third is more than the second, etc. Earlier, 
At this point, he saw Buddhas. Buddhas appeared to him. And the um, powers that he attained were less. So it's, as you go further, you get more. It's like to say, as you get promoted in the corporation, you have a bigger salary and more perks. Um, even to the point, now, I know some of you might find this hard to believe, but if you win the Nobel Prize, you get the highest reward at UC Berkeley, a parking space with your name on it. How about that? Is that encouragement to get that Nobel Prize? Otherwise, forget it. You get to campus, can't park your car. You get your Nobel Prize, you get a parking spot with your name on it. Man, you're not impressed. Obviously, you haven't tried to park on the Berkeley campus. Man, that's superhuman. There's very few parking spots. I was walking over there with Dashing Fasher the other day, and we, we passed the Dwinell parking lot. And I remember uh, there were three spots up for grabs. The others were all assigned. And uh, back in the day, and we would aim for those spots. And if you started out after 8, forget it. But it, some people would get there by 6.30 just to make sure that they, were, they got one of those three spots. Life can become pretty petty on campus, let me tell you. But getting one of those parking spots with your name on it and no one else can park there. Boy, oh boy. So, this bodhisattva, um, if he brings forth diligence and vigor within the space of a thought, check this out, inyanqing. What is the space of a thought? It's faster than that, faster than the finger snap. How long is the space of a thought? Um, there are monks in the Pali tradition who study Abhidharma that will tell you precisely what is the space of a thought. That's how they look into it. And they divide the space of a thought into thought moments. And they divide those thought moments into ever finer. And they have names for them. Um, these are people who have spent a long time looking into their minds. And uh, they'll tell you how much time a, uh, a thought moment will be. So within that tiny fraction of a thought, this bodhisattva enters a hundred million samadhis. How many is a hundred million? The Chinese goes yi uh, shu, right? De ru, yi shu san mei. Yi is in, uh, okay, Where's our e e doshao? Okay, anybody e e doshao? How much? Billion? Billion? Hundred million? E e doshao? Billion? Hundred million? Fang jiao Billion. B. 100 million. So we have a billion, 100 million, twice. Every time I go to Taiwan, nobody agrees. So it's somewhere in between. A lot. So, billion? What, how much is a billion in English? A billion is how many millions? A thousand millions is a billion. 
So a hundred million is ten hundred million ten times less. Jerry? Hundred million? Okay, by one is a million. Okay. Hundred million. Okay, the hundred million team, you guys can duke it out later. Okay. So Buddhists don't fight. Okay. So it's funny. Every time in Taiwan I get different answers. And and uh it's a it's a, a number that's countable, you know, it's important. And they're always talking about pieces whenever I hear it brought up, it's always about the price of land. And you know, emo, yiping, yijia. And and people are always talking about buying land for temples. And they always look at me and they go, Wow. You know. <laughs> no, I don't, because nobody tells me how much Doshao is, you know. So anyway, that's that's a funny I've noticed that in Taiwan. It's always about the price of land, buying temples. And they always say, ee. So, the equivalent, and they always seem to know exactly how much. When you bring it over to the dollars, to the, to the number in, in English, it's where we get in trouble. So, yi shu. Shu simply means numeral, number. So, a hundred million numbers of, or a billion numbers of, I'm happy with it being one or the other. In other words, a lot. A lot. And he enters those samadhis in a finger snap, less than a finger snap. Okay? How is that possible? What are we talking about? How do you rule sanmei, first of all? What does it mean to enter samadhi? What does it mean to do it that fast? What do you mean you have so many samadhis? I mean, this is a state where this is mysterious talk. Is the Buddha kind of you know, in the ballpark. He's just kind of letting us know that this guy can meditate. No, this is precise. I believe. I think it's precise because it keeps growing with each ground. So, here we have a bodhisattva. This is a description of the bodhisattva's mind. Not brain, but mind. Okay? And he or she, it's not gender specific, at this point, has perfected their precepts to the point that the samadhis are now profound and subtle and fast. What is this like? I, this is fascinating, right? Have you ever entered a samadhi? Mm, don't know. Maybe. How about the first dhyana? Your heart stops. And you're sitting still and it's very blissful. The stage that goes beyond the joy that living beings can know. Alright? That's, that's the first of the samadhis. Although there's also wei chan. There's a, there's a qingan, a state of bliss that you can appreciate. You can enter pretty easily. Shurfa would always say, anybody can enter this samadhi. All you have to do is make your desires very quiet. So they don't go like this anymore. But they go like this now. That means, think about it, you have to eat that pizza with the, the roasted peppers and tomatoes and it tastes no better or worse than 
the huge multi pizza with the 20 toppings you know it's the same to you why because it's all good food it's all going to wind up in your stomach and then vacate your stomach and the pizza that is toasted bread with green pepper and tomato if it's prepared with if it's offered with joy and with this intention to nourish it does taste it maybe tastes better than the 20 topping pizza that was made mindlessly thrown at you, you know, for money so that's you know so if you can level out the things that your eyes ears nose tongue body and mind contact the sights sounds smells tastes sensation the touch and dharmas to where the not so good ones are okay and the really great ones are okay and you don't think about them an instant after they've touched your senses you're almost there that's pretty close to that leveling out and at that point you can start to get this place called ching an light ease we translate it whether that's a good translation but that state of meditation is um, very blissful according to to the description here and that's not even the first dhyana and then the second dhyana third dhyana fourth dhyana this bodhisattva can enter amazing samadhis with names that he enters dwells in leaves and prepares for the next round and do so like that so fast that's amazing this is an outstanding state and i'm i'm suggesting it's not random and it's not careless this is profound and precise and the bodhisattva does it a lot you know how interesting right this is this is the mind of the bodhisattva is a precise instrument right now um what do we have for for comparison well i don't know if anybody are photographers here but um i am old enough to remember my first digital camera it was here at the berkeley monastery it was a fuji film and the maximum resolution was 640 by 480 pixels that means that the light the lens goes like that and behind the lens is this charged electrical chip a sensor and the sensor has these electrical um structures i don't know how they're, they're made of silicon i'm not sure that has uh bits charges on it and the sensor had enough that 640 and 480 resolution um would register light or color or absence of light so light dark and color that's what it could do and if you looked at a photograph now with 640 480 resolution you'd say it's still fuzzy it's still fuzzy you know it's not quite sharp it was great and you could translate it you could take it off the chip and put it on a computer say i took that picture no film involved people go, wow a digital camera you know that was that was uh, 16 years ago well right now the maximum resolution of a Nikon D800E digital single lens reflex is uh 36 megapixels is that right 
the D800. It's uh, so big. Well, a, the the files. Am I boring all of you non-photographers? You're, you're you're all with me, aren't you? You're all with me. The uh, the the early Fujifilm camera, which was like one of the very first digital cameras available, um, the biggest file would come off, and I think it was something like. Uh, you all know how big your your average Microsoft Word document might be uh, 16, 16 megabytes, maybe 40 megabytes. If it's a long paper, it's 100 megabytes, right? So the, the, the file that I was describing, the old one, that was the best that there was, might come off as something like 400 megabytes at the very most. You know, that was really big. Never... Uh, I'm sorry, 400 megabytes? No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, 400K, 400K. Yeah, 400 kilobytes, K, KB. And it hadn't broken the one megabyte limit at that point. That was unheard of. Well, the current size king, the uh, Nikon D800, the average file comes out uh, about, what is it now? It's 64 megabytes in size. So that's one file. And then if you translate it into, uh, through Adobe Photoshop, it becomes something closer to 400, like half a gigabyte per file. If you download as a TIFF, you translate it, you know, these translate. So hugely huge, right? So in the 16 years since people have been buying and using digital cameras, that's how big it's grown. And it's, um, it's a way of measuring. It's a way of measuring lights. This is sensitivity. Okay, so here we are trying to enter samadhi. How difficult is it to subdue our desires to enter samadhi? Well, Scherfel would talk about birth and death. And he would say, arhats, right, sages, they end birth and death of the body. How hard is that to not die when the time comes? Think about it, right? You have, you have authority. You can die when you want or not. Wow. Can you imagine the arhat being able to, to, to tell his organs to wait? People who have witnessed someone dying, you know what a organic process that is. Death is, is a lot of systems working. And you can be brain dead, but your body is still, your lungs are still pumping, your heart is still pumping. Your circulation is still going. The cells haven't decided to quit yet. And yet uh, the, the heart is a very sturdy, reliable mechanism, right? It's going, the electrical thing firing, and it's opening and closing, and the, and the brain, infinite, not infinite, trillions and trillions of cells firing away. So when somebody actually, the end of physical death, it's very much like uh, a big factory plant shutting down, you know, department by department, the lights are going off. It's not, it's not simple to die. Um, the arhat can choose to stay alive or not. Huge, huge accomplishment. Fun, 
分断生死 ，they call it share and section, birth and death. To be able to choose when is quite a thing. The Bodhisattva said Shifu undergoes change, birth and death. Bni shangsu. What is that like? He Shifu would say, it's the Bodhisattva witnesses and can control the tiny, subtle. Fluctuations of thoughts. That's the bodhisattva's birth and death that he or she is able to control. Bni shangsu. So funduan shangsu. That's the body, and the arhat can do that, but the arhat can't control his thoughts yet. The bodhisattva is able to control all of those comings and goings in his or her subtle changes of thoughts, which is. What occurred to me to talk about digital camera sensors? All right, the old digital camera, six forty by four eighty, tiny. The new thirty-six megapixel sensor has on a chip much much bigger, called a full-frame sensor. Just the bodhisattva's number of electrical charges happening. It's that much bigger and more subtle. And the bodhisattva is in charge of that. So, look at that. In the space of a thought, on his sensor, he can be recording light in a different realm. That's the bodhisattva's digital sensor. Is that totally? You see how far I had to go afield to bring that one home? Man, that was. A, Where do you get your analogies from?、Right? Mine come from digital photography. Oh my goodness, how esoteric! So, in the space of a thought, he enters those samadhis. His sensor picks up lots of light. Right? We are not even at the level of the old Fujifilm sensor, because why? Our desires are still really strong.、Uh, remember my favorite story about David Rounds? I told you about David. Bless his heart. David decided he was going to leave home. And he told Shurfu he wanted to leave home, and Shurfu said, "Koi, you have not told your wife that you have told her that did you get your mice permission?" He said, "David said, 'Well, Susan is ready. I just and they won't mind if I tell her.' So, so Shurfu said, 'Koi.' So we were ready for the great moment, and David shows up at Gold Mountain Monastery with a sleeping bag, his suitcase." And he's tugging behind him this thing on wheels. What was it? It was the Oxford English Dictionary. All twelve volumes shrunk down, so you used a micro, a, a magnifying glass. But David is a poet and an author and a translator, and he couldn't leave home without his Oxford English Dictionary on the trolley that you pull along with you. Everybody's got mine was. Matthew's Chinese, but he had the OED, the whole OED with a magnifying glass. Okay, so David moves in. First day passes, pretty good. Second day passes, okay. Third day passes. David doesn't show up for meditation. Shurfu says, "Go find him." We go upstairs. Shurfu, David's gone. Is his dictionary here? Dictionary's gone. Shurfu. Oh, David's really gone. So. About a week goes by. David shows up. 
if he was a puppy, he would have his tail between his legs, right? He wasn't wagging his tail. He was like really subdued. Uh, and so here's the novelist back. So during lecture, Sherpa goes, Gojo, David, Sherpa, Samyanga, how are you doing? Well, Sherpa, I couldn't quite leave home this time. Oh, and why not? David said, well, I never would have thought. He says, I'm really attached, Sherpa. <laughs> oh, Gojo, what are you attached to? He said, who would think that the most imp- the thing that I couldn't stop thinking about was coffee and toast in the morning and the New York Times, he said. I couldn't stop thinking about that. It was coffee and toast in the morning and the New York Times. So Sherpa said, well, I sort of thought it might be like that, he said. And so it's a case of David, the fiction writer's leaving home was a little bit like fiction, he said. So, so he said, Gojo, try your best. He said, How many of you got through the door of Gold Mountain Monastery? said Sherpa, looking at everybody. You know. And so he gave David lots of faith. You know. And it's true. He really tried. I must say that uh, on Three Steps, One Bow, there were two people who uh, came out and tried it with us for longer than a week. One was Peter Schmitz, Guzai, and one was David Rounds, Gojo. Bowed with us on the highway for longer than 100 yards. In fact, for David, it was quite a few days. So, courageous guy who was honest, admitting what he couldn't put down. In his case, it wasn't gambling. It wasn't beating up his spouse. It was toast and coffee in the New York Times. So we all have our attachments. So Bodhisattva is able to put down even the New York Times. Toast and coffee. And enter how many? A billion or a hundred million? Amazing accomplishment. His sensor is quiet. The light comes in, it triggers it, it doesn't have to make a photograph. He comes to see a hundred million Buddhas. Yi Shu. He comes to know a hundred million Buddhas' spiritual powers because he can do them now. He is able to quake a hundred million world systems. What in the world? How do you quake a world system? Now, this one requires a leap of faith. The Buddha is not telling us this in order to sell sutras. The Buddha is not telling us this in order to become a famous author. He's saying that when bodhisattvas realize this stage of accomplishment, the universe, the planet, the weather, the climate, the environment celebrates. It vibrates at a level that the bodhisattva interacts with. How about that? Imagine being so much related to the vibe of the environment that 
when you transform this much ignorance back into light, there's a corresponding vibration that other people perceive as earthquake. Man, that's so interesting. You know, that needs a lot of research. Um, up to and including being able to manifest 100 million bodies. The Bodhisattva has the power of Huashan now. And every body can manifest 100 million Bodhisattvas as is following. That's another one of these progressive manifestations. In the early one, first and second ground, the Buddhas occur, appear individually. After three and then on up, every time a Buddha appears, there are bodhisattvas surrounding the Buddha appearing as well as the blessings, part of it. All right? Um, so, let's see here. If he employs special supreme power of bodhisattvas' vows to appear as he pleases, he will surpass that number. In a hundred kalpas, a thousand kalpas, up to and including a hundred thousand millions of nayutas of kalpas slash eons. The number could not be counted or known. How does this work? Some bodhisattvas have extra special vows. Who? Guanyin, Urstor, Samantabhadra, uh, Manjushri. These bodhisattvas who, not only are they real bodhisattvas according to this description, but they have their own special combination. Because of their affinities, because of their um, wishes when they were Buddhas before, that something moved them. So they are m medicinal healers. So they are, um, what else? Um, like Maitreya, coming back at a certain time. So bodhisattvas can have special conditions. And in that case, there's even more. So it's giving us the story about bodhisattva mahasattvas here. How does that work? And these numbers will grow with each progressive ground. 100 kalpas, kalpas and eons are used interchangeably here. The number could not be counted or known. So in other words, if you as a bodhisattva um, have your own set of vows, you go beyond what the, the sutra will tell us. How about that? This is a technical manual. This is not fantasy. It's not science fiction. This is a description of what happens when you use your mind in this way. You cultivate with this, with this uh, level of sincerity and application. Turn over to page 2223. At that time, Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva, wishing to restate his meaning, chanted the verses that said, and there we go. Now we're set up for, for the verses. Okay. Um, now, because we have to finish early tonight, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on. The 10,000 Buddhas repentance begins tomorrow. Uh, begins tomorrow night, actually. Um, and then mon <coughs> Monday in earnest. We're pleased to see so many Australian Dharma friends here tonight from, Bris from Brisbane and from Melbourne. 
So, welcome, welcome. Please get to know Winnie and Eileen, who are here. From These are our, some of our translation team from Australia that we meet online, and now we see them in person. And we've already said hello to Florence, who is here from Gold Coast in Brisbane. So, please do inter- introduce yourselves to our Australian Dharma friends and get to know them. To be able to come and take part in the 10,000 Buddha's Repentance is quite wonderful. Um, Monday morning at 5 o'clock, we'll be up there translating the Avatamsaka. Please join us if you're awake. Hallelujah. Um, That's a lot to ask because the 10,000 Buddha's Repentance, we're saying today at lunch, is um, a little bit like an Olympic event. And if you're involved in an Olympic event, you you better train like an Olympic athlete. That is to say, cleave to the middle. Don't stop eating, don't stop sleeping. In fact, you need all the fuel and all the rest you, you can get in order to, to sustain that long-term effort that is part of one of these bowing sessions. Um, one of the reasons why you need lots of food and sleep is people come from all over the world bringing wonderful flu germs, <laughs> wonderful infection germs. And your um, powers of your immune system needs to be sturdy to, to be able to get through it without breathing the air of the person that's sitting next, bowing next to you who's coughing up a storm. So that's all part of the experience. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, it's uh, when the, the bowing session gains the group mind, it is profoundly wonderful. And that happens depending on the wayno, depending upon the weather, depending upon the food yesterday and a lot. But it happens often during the transference in, at 4 p.m. That transference verse is sublime and it's uplifting and transforming. So uh, tie in for the long run if you want to have that group mind experience happen. It's, it changes things. Uh, tomorrow's Buddha's birthday. We will be going up. And uh, often, uh, the night before, or the weekend before, I teach everybody the, uh, the Buddha's birthday verse that we only sing once a year. That's that's it, you heard it? You can all go home now? That's that's it. We're ready for next year. That's the mantra that we do once once a year. I really like that uh, Buddha bathing verse. And uh, tomorrow Jin Fan Shir will be given his his uh, best efforts to leading us in that. So you get to bathe the Buddha tomorrow, and uh, there are six Buddhas, no waiting, right? There's all these images out there. It's a very nice, and I think the roses are probably in bloom, abundant in bloom. The flowers are great. So that'll be tomorrow, and uh, big audience, big crowd. If you have not taken the, the refuges and the precepts and you would like to do it, tomorrow will be an opportunity to take the refuges and precepts and 
for those of you who will be doing the bowing, we're going to continue lecturing here. So prepare for three weeks of, of uh, a, a tighter, closer, more intimate uh, Saturday Sutra lecture because Dashing Pasha and I will be holding the fort here, keeping the door open. And uh, for those of you not going up, the Sutra lecture will continue. <coughs> so we'll expect to see you here next week, same time, same place for the further adventures of the fourth stage bodhisattva in verse form. We get to sing it. Uh, it's, it's quite wonderful to, to do that. Um, just to keep things going, people have told me that um, they like the responses of my Bond University students to the uh, exposure to the Buddhist philosophy ideas and why we um, are reading these because it's nice to hear students who began with zero knowledge reacting to these ideas that we kind of take for granted because right we're studying Buddhism um, This is, uh, I, I won't tell you his name, it's a young man, uh, a local fellow from Brisbane. I gave them five questions and asked them to write on four. The fourth precept, he says, I won't tell you his name, which is do not make, do not speak falsely, can also be understood as do not lie. This precept, I feel, is simple enough to understand, but by far one of the hardest to master. False speech is prevalent in almost every aspect of one's life without being aware of it. Lying to others would be the first step towards conquering this precept. However, it's the lying to ourselves which requires the most intense work. If we don't know what's right or wrong, we might be lying to ourselves much more than we thought. It isn't until you're true to yourself that the lies begin to clear from the fog. It isn't until you're true to yourself that the lies begin to clear from the fog. How about that? The last of the five precepts is more to do with self-control, being don't take intoxicants. This precept is more a safeguard against the other precepts, as if you intoxicate yourself, you're losing the ability to critically think about what you're doing, thus confusing your judgment, which could result in breaking one of the other five precepts. All should hear these precepts, as they raise further questions in our head as to what is best for life to flourish. I don't believe I could choose between following these precepts strictly or slightly altering them to suit my lifestyle and culture, as I believe it's the thinking process behind these precepts which should be concentrated on. If you were to live in a largely Catholic family, small c Catholic, where your religious views would be frowned upon if you were to choose to follow a different faith, I would say slightly alter these precepts to suit your lifestyle to cause little conflict with those in your family as it's in your family where you learn to love. Without a loving family, it is hard to see a loving world. Question five. Any thoughts have changed since you began to study Buddhist philosophy? 
Before I enrolled in Buddhist philosophy, I had many life-changing thoughts in relation to life, in how we should treat each other. An interesting quote grabbed my attention a couple of weeks ago, which was along the lines of, quote, it is what you think of yourself in whom you think of others. End of quote. This quote showed me in ideas how my perception of life has changed through understanding what I am. When I was younger, I would think of myself as a child. This idea meant I would never understand adults and thus a huge proportion of the world. After growing up and realizing that I was more than a child, then I, I was... After growing up and realizing that I was more than a child, that I was a man, I felt connected to most male figures as I felt I could understand them. However, I would still never understand females and how they think due to my understanding of myself. Once again, I changed my perspective on myself to further understand more of the world, and with that came the idea that I am solely human. This, then, helped me understand females as I concentrated on the similarities as to what made us all human. This, however, still holds an obstacle as I felt I couldn't understand a large proportion of my life on this planet, so further thinking needed to happen. I came to the conclusion that I am, he quotes, light. My brain receives a signal in which my body is solely the vehicle for this signal to use, the signal being light. From this understanding of myself, I started to see others as beings of light. And I would often pretend to see a ball of light between people's eyes while looking at them, almost as if it was in the middle of their brain. This perception of myself then translated into animals, as I could now see myself light in other animals, thus being able to strengthen my empathy and compassion towards them. Another Buddhist concept that has changed my outlook on life has been reincarnation. The thought that I will be back on this planet over and over again until I find what it is I'm looking for triggers something deep inside me to try to find it faster. This idea also entangles the idea that every living being could have been my mother in a past life. These two concepts together, I feel, have strengthened my empathy and compassion towards most living beings on the planet in my search to break reincarnation. Now, I didn't teach him the idea that he should look for light between people's eyes. That came from his own thinking, but he's thinking. This is a profound guy who was mostly a stoner before he got close to the class. And he and his buddy, whose paper I read last week, um, are they still stoners? I won't vouch for that, but uh, they're thinking. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, his buddy last week was the guy who said um, the best thing he's taken from the class is being able to let go of his grandpa, who he worried about profoundly before, and now he really does believe that his grandpa is on another journey, continuing, on a continuing journey and how much he uh, was able now to wish him well and to feel that he was accompanying him. So, okay, if that's the result of the class, I would say he got his money's worth for this 
highly expensive tuition that he paid for this class. All right, so fun. That's just one. Um, more to come. Uh, Mother's Day tomorrow. And I didn't bring any puppets up here because of the, uh, the time difference, but I was really tempted to bring the mother elephant. Um, you'll notice I resisted because of the time. But uh, don't let the puppets beat you to celebrating Mother's Day. Make sure you talk to your mom tomorrow or your dad. Uh, see, talk to your dad on Mother's Day. You and your dad talk to your mom. That's it. Make sure that, that mom feels welcome. I'm told that in Taiwan, Mother's Day has become so outrageous that people are booking restaurants the week before and the week after. It used to be Mother's Day, it was hard to get a restaurant booking. Then it was the Friday, the Saturday before, it was hard to get one. Then it was the Friday before, it was hard to get one. Now it's the week before. So Mother's Day has become like a, a week to 10 days uh, celebration. And the restaurants are making money in Taiwan. It's really hard. If you wait to book a table, and do it at home. Celebrate at home. So that's a good thing. What else do we have to announce? Uh, there's no Tions is coming up. There, oh, yes, yes, yes. There's no uh, round, this round table coming up. This round table is Thursday night. There will be round table Thursday night. Yeah. Okay. Um, out on the bulletin board, take a look at the flyers for how does average summer cultivation A and B. Is that our sentence? Chan meditation A, Chan meditation B. A is for beginners and intermediates or anyone. B is for people whose practice is already underway. That's to say a little bit more challenging. Um, people are welcome to, to start, but you need to, uh, you need to have a little bit of, of uh, cultivation under your belt to sit longer. Um, Master Dashing is offering these classes on Wednesday night and Friday night. A is Wednesday, B is Friday. So Stephen, and Stephen Tainer's class and Marty's class are soon ending. Marty's class has ended already. And uh, those people who would like to keep their practice going should come investigate uh, Dashing Fasher's leading of um, meditation and walking. And what else is involved? Oh, that's a, we'll just give them the idea. You pick a flyer. There's a stack of flyers. Take one home. So there'll be... Correct. Okay, exercise, stretching, uh, chan meditation, walking meditation, and also there may be some text uh, explained later on. Okay, please do look at those. Um, Buddha Root Farm, it's that time again. Our Oregon summer um, session in the woods, the Oregon woods. If you are interested and you'd like to know about that, go to Oregon dot berkeleymonastery.org oregon dot berkeleymonastery.org all the information is there plus the application um, so do check it out um, also uh, people who would like to study 
the 42 hands and eyes um, need to speak to the monastery manager. Uh, it's going to be offered this summer. It's, uh, um, there are many requirements. It's uh, not a casual study. It's an um, intermediate to advanced study in terms of your practice. So that's there, just to say. Every monastery is, um, uh, monastery managers are announcing it to their communities, and then the application is about four pages. Uh, but that's, that's because it's a, a special Dharma method that Master Hua gave to us to practice. And not everybody's uh, needs or wants to do the 42 hands and eyes. Those who are ready, who know about it, who think this is something they would like to do, it's going to require three days in August um, where you uh, need to be there August 15th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. So just to let you know. Okay, anything else? Have a great Buddha's birthday, Mother's Day, 10,000 Buddha's repentance. Let's uh, put our palms together. The transference is <coughs> on the, the, uh, the ceremony sheet. Um, also, uh, Billy and Jackson's dad is in the hospital and is undergoing some difficulties, health problems, and I'm sure would appreciate some transference. He's been volunteering here at the monastery for a long time, and, and uh, we send our best wishes out to him. May every living being our minds as one and radiant with light share the fruits of peace with hearts of goodness luminous and bright if people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity may their minds away to great compassion, wisdom, and to joy. May kindness find reward. May all who sorrow leave their grief and pain. May this boundless light break the darkness of their endless night. Because our hearts are one, this world of pain turns into paradise. May all become compassionate and wise. May all become compassionate and wise.